Maybe you should give me your phone number. On October 5th... Fate's telling us to back off. You don't have the most incredible night of your life with a perfect stranger and then leave it all to chance, do you? No name. I gotta find this girl before I get married. No address. I'm thinking about this mystery guy I met a million and a half hours ago. Just fate. Once in your lifetime, someone comes along whom you're meant to be with. For my friend, that person was me. Serendipity. Rated PG-13. In theaters everywhere, Friday, October 5th. That's right. In theaters everywhere, October 5th. That was the movie we're going to be talking about today, Serendipity, with John Cusack. Uh, I am your host, here on Old Millennials Remember Movies, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hi, Tyler. Hi, everybody. How are you tonight? I'm pretty good. Are you pretty good? Because you just yelled at me for being snatchety tonight. I yelled at you? I consider any time that someone says anything not positive as yelling. But you do admit that you were being snatchety. <laughs> I mean, that was my word, not yours word. I would not use that word. Yeah, that's a safe call. <laughs> So tonight we're going to talk about Serendipity, which actually came out in 2001, which is kind of the end of the era of movies that we talk about. So we mostly talk about 80s and 90s, but because we turned kind of 18 in 2001, 2002, that uh, that's the year we kind of wanted to go up to. It's fair game. Also, it, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. We can do what we want. Who cares? We want to do, it's the holiday season. Yeah. So we wanted to do uh, some holiday movies, and this is technically a holiday movie? I mean, there's a couple holiday scenes. I think you and I were both just surprised when it said uh, it came out in October. Right, like that famous uh, Ben Affleck movie, Surviving Christmas, which came out in October and was on DVD before Christmas because it did so poorly. Wait, what was the one that I went to the movie theater with your parents around Halloween? Surviving Christmas. Oh, God, that was so bad. <laughs> Not a great movie. Although... It that one, I have that DVD, actually. Oh, and we should watch it. It's not, um, I mean, it's still not good. Yeah. But it's not like, it was just because of the, uh, it was during that period of the Ben Affleck badness. Mm-hmm. So it gets more of a reputation for being probably worse than it is. It's not good, don't get me wrong. But it's not, also not the worst. Let's do it. James Gandolfini's in it. Doesn't technically follow into our uh, oh, category. No, but. Um, oh, that's right. A little we, bit later. It came out after we met. We saw it together, so. Anything that we saw together in theaters is basically out. Um, I, w- I don't want to make that a, a, a rule, because eventually we will do a couple movies I have in mind. I'm not going to say what they are, but... Um, oh, but yeah. keeping people on the edge of their seats. All two people All... on the edge of their seats. Hey, so before we talk about Serendipity, Tyler, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. Okay. Um. Well, tonight, I would just like to say that we watched a gem. A gem. On the YouTube? Oh, yeah. What did we watch? I don't know. What are those guys' names? They're from Wisconsin, it sounds like. I don't know where they're from. They're like the two, they call themselves the two most popular physical therapists on YouTube. They probably are. That's probably accurate. That probably is accurate. Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. Hi, I'm Bob Shrub, physical therapist. Brad Heineck, physical therapist. Together we are the most famous physical therapists on the internet. In our opinion, of course, Bob. Brad, today you wanted to talk about this. Um, but I would just like to thank YouTube for suggesting that video. So it's like these two old, not old, but like uh, if in they're middle-aged, middle-aged physical therapists who sound like they're from Wisconsin. I could probably just look at their about page and look, but they don't say it on their about page, and I don't think they have a website either. They had a Green Bay Packers uh, item in the background of their video, so that's why I thought. Plus, their accents just made me think Midwest plus Wisconsin. They could be. 
in that vicinity. My my own father is a Green Bay Packers fan. So that's true. That's true. I don't know. Yeah. So there are these funny two physical therapists who just make videos about uh, health and lining your bike, your back and stuff. And uh, they were super funny. They're funny, but like not. They weren't trying too hard, and they no. were giving me a thoughtful advice on how to fix my uh, neck kinks. Yes. So I did watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to wanted it's to a share movie that. podcast, but okay. This is a I. You just said I can do whatever I want on this podcast. You can. That's true. Okay. So I did actually see another movie. This was last night. Yes. That I saw this. Okay. So last night you turned on the television, and you were flipping through the channels. Which we don't usually do because we watch everything like most millennials. Either on a streaming service or on one of our Blu-rays or DVDs. Yes. So you turned on the TV or the HBO? This TV. The the HBO runs through there. And then you you saw Tomb Raider on there. The new Tomb Raider. The new Tomb Raider. With Alicia Vikander. You turned it on. For about two minutes. And it it had the one lady from Ex Machina. Yeah. Alicia Vikander. Yeah. That lady. Yeah. And then it had the guy from uh, Justified. Walton Goggins. Oh my God. He's so good. Just because I was watching him, I was like... Yeah, let's watch this movie. He wasn't doing a, like a, a Boyd Crowder he can, accent, though. He can do anything, and I will want to watch it. I know, but I'd rather have him with the accent. So I, we were like, it was like 40 minutes in, and you got pretty pissed off at me that I was wanting to even spend no. two minutes watching it. I don't even want to watch that from the beginning. I don't know why. There's something about it that just is like, to me, it doesn't, it's it's probably not, it's not like necessarily that it's bad. It just doesn't, I have no interest in it. I just don't. It's going to be one of those movies that's just totally fine. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to watch something that's just fine. I so in a nutshell, we did not watch we didn't that. We did not watch it. Nope. You turned on Sorry to Bother You, which is currently playing on Hulu. It is on Hulu, yes. Um, You saw this in the theater. I think you talked about it after you saw it, maybe on this podcast. Probably, yeah. It would have been. We started in the summer, so yeah, it was in the summertime yes. I saw it. Um, and, uh, what did you think of it on second viewing? I really like it. I think it's, uh, just really original and, uh, in your face in a lot of different ways. Uh, it has, a the actor from Atlanta, one of the actors, like Keith Stanfield, who's very good in it, is the lead. Tessa Thompson is in it, whom we just talked about for Creed 2, and she's, uh, in more and more, which I like, because I like her. She's playing, like, the same character she played in Creed 2. I disagree, but A okay. little bit. Like, the girlfriend. Sounds racist. That's not racist. That's (laughs) sexist. Her role is, she's getting pigeonholed into playing the girlfriend. There's a girlfriend, but she's very different in terms of a character. I guess. She's like an artist. I just, if I see one more movie where she's like, the girlfriend, I'm going to be irritated. Welcome to Hollywood, and anybody her age is basically turning into a girlfriend character for half the movies out there. Okay, this is what I'm feeling like is happening with her. They're like, hey, there's a black character who needs a girlfriend. Oh, let's get Tessa Thompson. Well, she is Valkyrie in uh, the Thor Ragnarok and is will be returning to the Marvel Universe as well. And she's great in that. She is great in that. And not a girlfriend type. They don't have a romantic I relationship. Know. So. It's just tough, I think, for women. And... She's on Westworld. Who does she play in Westworld? She's, an exe- she's the executive. She's only <gasps> oh, at the tail yeah, end of the yeah. first season into the second season. God, so. we're so behind we on our show. She's, they beefed up her role, obviously, because she kind of blew up. So, yep. yeah. So what I liked about Sorry to Bother You mm-hmm. was he gets a job in, like, a call center. It's a telemarketing call center. Right. Um, but in another life, I work at a call center. Oh, so there was some connections there. Oh, where you, I was like, well, you had worked at a call center mm-hmm. back, way I, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I've worked in an actual telemarketing yeah, call center. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, so that kind of brought re- made me reminisce to those days of the different tactics you used to try to keep people on the phone. Sure. Um, this is like you were 18. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It was definitely when I was eighteen. Yeah. Not not a long. You didn't didn't stay there very long, like most uh, people. Yeah, like six months. Yeah, that's a that's a long tenure for. I think yeah. I I was a telemarketer for about a, two days. Yeah, I did it while I was going in high school, like going yeah. to school. Okay. Um, so that was kind of fun because I felt like I could connect, and it was hilarious. So at one point in the movie, they uh, um try to unionize. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was really fun to watch because it was really like aggressive and uh, I don't know how would you describe it? Oh, the way that they stand up for the first time, yeah, yeah. it's uh, profane. They just like put the phones down and they are just swearing at the uh, the management. That's probably very satisfying to anybody yes. who's ever been in that. Uh, it's business. almost it's almost cathartic, even though you know just to be like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, but it's a. I mean, the movie. I think I warned you when we started watching it, or when I saw it. It's it's a it's a pretty absurd movie that takes an even more absurd turn in kind of its third act. Um, kind of centered around when Army Hammer shows up as like this. Uh, uh, I don't know, like a Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos type uh, mm-hmm. young exec guy, mm-hmm. and the movie just kind of gets crazy. And I would imagine that there's a lot of people that would see this part of the movie and probably be like, "I'm out." <laughs> but if you are getting tired of just like movies that feel like they're the same old, same old, and you like, um, what was that show we watched on Netflix recently with uh, what's her name and what's his face? Wow, I know what you're talking about the Jonah Hill show yes. and Emma Stone. What yeah. was that called? Oh my god. Oh, we just watched it. Shit. <laughs> anyway, so if you like stuff that's really just kind of different and a little bit out there because it's interesting to you, um, I think this movie does that because it kind of it goes along normal and then some weird shit happens. But I was totally in for the ride because I I'm currently in a mode where I just like am so bored with all of the information overload that we get. That anything that's just totally bizarre is very pleasing and kind of pleasurable to watch and consume. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it the second time watching it. This is kind of uh, – we're trying to – because I see the movies in the theater a lot more than you do because uh, we have kids – there are a few that are out on video or out on streaming that I kind of want you to watch before we kind of start doing year end stuff because I what you're not you're not unfortunately you're not going to catch up with most of what I've seen but there, when there's something available that I want you to watch or you want to watch we try to get it done and it was nice to see this one again to kind of solidify where it is in my mind in terms of um, the best of the year I still think it is one of the best it's just really original and I like the performances I think Army yes. Hammer is terrific better than he's ever been. Um, he had a little John Ham thing going on a little, a little bit. I don't know if it's that he sounds like him or something. Are they related? I know one's name is Ham and the other Hammer. I feel like they're that's probably why you're thinking that related. <laughs> well, Army Hammer is the guy. He was in Call Me. Did you ever watch Call Me by Your Name? I don't think you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he's a guy that they've been trying to push on this for a while. He was the Lone Ranger, and uh, I don't like him. He was in the Social Network as he played the the twins in the Social Network. Played both of them. And, uh, you know, I think that they've been he, – he's still kind of trying to find – I think he's very good in Call Me By Your Name, although I always thought – it seems like he was too old for the part. He played kind of that uh, – he was a young boy. Uh, he wasn't a young boy, but the main actor was a young kid, and, and their relationship just seemed a little weird to me just because he seemed so much older and and not as someone who would just be, like, less interested in, like, this wow, 17-year-old. It was weird mm-hmm. to me. But um, he's still pretty good in the movie, and the movie overall is really good. But mm-hmm. – uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think if more, this is a smaller part where he gets to kind of just do something a little bit different, it would be good to see him uh, do that. I think it, it's easy to, I think a good comparison would be to see how, like, say, Chris Hemsworth has been able to do some different things when not being, like, either 
you know, if he has to be Thor, is it serious? Well, Thor really worked when they kind of lightened him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he worked more in, like, say, like the Ghostbusters reboot where he was kind of stealing the, the scenes that he was in and that. And, uh, you know, just getting some more different parts to kind of show some versatility, I think, would mm-hmm. serve him well. So, I think uh, in this movie he did a good job of uh, representing just uh, shitty white people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then also shitty rich people. Yeah, he was covering them both. Yeah, so I really... What I really enjoyed about this movie was... It was, I mean, it was totally on the nose, like the, let's bring up some race issues, but it was done in such like a really uncomfortable way. There's like the, the one scene where they're at like a big party mm-hmm. of what's his name and he's got all his lackeys and, and just groupies, right? Just right. major groupies and they're all hanging around and they're mostly white people. And this movie's based on, um, him joining this telemarketing company and finding success in using a prominent, like, white voice. It's David Cross is the voice that they yes. use. It's very absurd. It, it, it's deliberately, like, dubbed over and it sounds funny on yes. purpose. It's, like, bizarre. Like, right. totally not his voice. So he's, like, one of the only black people there. There's, like, two. And him and the other guy with, yes. who's using the white voice is Patton Oswalt's voice. Yes. And at one point, what... Hammer guy, whatever his name is. Army Hammer. Army Hammer's like, uh, hey, do something interesting and, like, perform for us. Like, rap, rap. And then all these white people just start chanting, rap, rap, like, rap, You can rap, rap, can't you? And he's like, no, I don't rap. He's like, actually, I don't rap. I'm really terrible at it. Rap, rap, rap. And that scene was just so uncomfortable, and it's just... And then oh the way God. it punctuates, too, with how he gets the crowd going, which is uh, just, yeah... It's a very, I mean, it's in your face about, it's, you know, it's a very pro-union movie, and it's unapologetic about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like it. I It's, I between this and uh, Black Klansman from Spike Lee, I they're, they're kind of two movies that are, I feel are a little bit um, similar in in its style, at least in some, like, kind of doing things outside the norm of stylistic choices to kind mm-hmm. of talk about race. And that's uh, fu- kind of funny because Boots Riley is uh, not- he's the director of Sorry to Bother You, is notably critical of Black Klansmen. Oh. And so that was a kind of an issue when Black Klansmen came out. Boots Riley kind of penned a long note about what he thought was wrong with Black Klansmen. Um, to some degrees, I understand the point, and some degrees, yeah. I disagree, but uh, you can go online and find all that. But yeah. uh, well, the one thing that's a little bit disappointing is that um, while I'm happy to see Black Klansmen kind of so far survive, like the awards push. It's going to be in the conversation, hopefully, for some awards. Sorry to bother you has not shown up as mm-hmm. much, because I think it's a little bit crazier, a little bit looser, but I think really strong and just, um, yeah, I'd rather watch that than, you know, standard, typical, oh, boring mean, summer stuff, you know? I'm going to remember Sorry to Bother You ten times more than I'm, I'm going to remember Deadpool 2. Mm-hmm. Like, I already can't remember what happened in Deadpool 2, too, but I can definitely, like, visualize a lot of this movie. So, if you haven't seen it, Go it's on, on Hulu. It's go amazing. On Hulu it's a before great. It's not on there. It's great that it's there, actually. Um, yeah. And then you know what's great is that it, it keeps telling you to right after that <laughs> ended. It tells me to watch Colossal with Anne Hathaway, which was another movie that was. It's really different, really out there, but mm-hmm. great from a couple years ago. One of my favorites of that year. And that no one saw that, but it, it showed up on Hulu without kind of any attention. It's still there. That's another great movie to watch. It's just kind of outside the norm. It's like a kaiju movie, but not in a yeah. really fun way. Yeah. And it has a lot to say about uh, well, toxic masculinity, kind of. And this movie came up before, like, the real Me Too push. So that was uh, – I, I feel like it probably would have had a different life had it come out uh, just a little bit later, but really good, too. So, yeah. hey, it tells you to watch Sorry to Bother You. Then it's like, hey, watch uh, Colossal. Both yes. good choices. Totally. 
Um, what have you seen recently? Didn't you hit the theater at some I point? I haven't been to the theater. It's a very quiet time before the, the holiday movies come up. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a couple of things. I watched a movie on Amazon called Madeline's Madeline. And this is, uh, I just, you know, I heard it was on a couple of lists already at the end of the year and I saw it was available, so I watched it. And it is about a teenage girl who joins like this theater troupe, like an improvisational theater troupe. And she's got, uh, some kind of history with, uh, troubles at home, depression, uh, seemed suggestive of some kind of like violent act or something that she either subjected herself to, has a very strained relationship with her mom. And so she joins this this theater troupe, and then the the movie is very strange in its depiction. It, it kind of dramatizes some of the things that they're pretending to be. Like the first scene in the movie is her like roaming around her house pretending to be a cat, and you're just like, "What is this movie? It's very strange." And unlike uh, you know your typical narrative, but it, it's it's it, you know it's it's really well made for as small as it is. Uh, Who's the, the main girl? She looks super familiar. She's, I think she's a relative newcomer. You could tell me her name, and she's really good in the movie. I really liked her. She's someone to uh, to watch. Uh, I can't remember her name because I think she's relatively new. She's really strong in it. Um, and then it has, like, Molly Parker, and the mom is played by some. Oh, it's been a little while since I watched it now, and I'm trying to remember her name, too. Good uh, supporting cast. Um, it's, it's strange. It has a, a very peculiar, very artsy fartsy ending, mm. which I kind of still liked, uh, but it'll, you know, it's not a, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's, it's very visually different. And, um, I would recommend, I mean, it's just something, something different. Cool. <laughs> and the lead actress is really good. And I think Where that's going to be the, it's on Amazon oh, okay. Prime. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. And then I did, uh, rent, uh, digitally uh support the girls which is regina hall's movie uh this she got marked up for an award from like the new york critics circle it's a small kind of comedy she runs she's the manager of a it's like a hooters type of uh restaurant where the waitresses are you know young women and she's kind of just the manager has kind of deal with her stuff and it's like a day in the life and regina hall is very good in the movie and I don't foresee her getting much push beyond. I think it was nice that the New York critics kind of recognized her, and I I like her in a lot of things. She is good, and the movie is enjoyable. Um, Yeah, I'd recommend. It's an easy, definitely an easy watch. It's a Mm -hmm. cool 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Good performances by some of the other uh, girls in the movie, too. So, yeah, I like that. It's a strong movie. Cool. Yeah, the smaller, smaller little things. Why are you watching all these things at home without me? You go to bed, man. Gotta watch stuff. How late are you staying awake? No wonder you're only getting four hours of sleep a night, Tyler. Late, man. I got to watch all these movies. But There's a couple other ones I want to... I just I was notified of some other things on Netflix that are small and uh, I might watch before we even record another one. And then Roma comes out on Netflix at the end of the week. So, you know, I'm excited. Really? What's out now that you want to watch? Uh, oh, I guess I got a list. You really want me to pop up on my list? You have a whole list? I got lists of things I want to see by the end of the year. Some of it's available at home already and some of it's not, so... You know, there's things that are coming out in the theater this week, is hopefully. Is one of them Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle? No, but that's Andy Serkis's Jungle Book thing that's out, and I heard it's not great. But was Is one of them Nailed It, Holiday Edition? I will, we will be watching Nailed It, Holiday yeah, Edition. Hey, we out, know a guy. We know a guy. Shout out to Chris Elam, who was on season... Past guest. Season one. It's still the same season. episode two with How the How are we going to do seasons? Are we going to do uh, Unicorn? Uh, uh, podcasts... Oh, yeah. I was, okay, you were talking about him actually being on that show, and I was talking about him being on our show, which is way more important. 
What is this Russell Brand Rebirth? It's a new comedy special by Russell Brand. Oh, I like Russell Brand. Okay. You know what I love about Netflix is that you can separate your profiles out. You can have a kid profile and adult profiles. We don't do that. We're too lazy. So I've got Russell Brand and then, you know, Spy Kids right in the next, right together. Great. I know. We've not done it. It, It's almost too late, it seems like now, because it's all mixed up. We could easily do other profiles, but why? I mean, you know. This is my Angela profile. I add things to the my list, some things I want to see. So sometimes that shows up on the top. So tell me about this Mowgli movie on here. It's Andy Serkis directing a Jungle Book movie. It was supposed to be, he was making it as kind of the same time that the Disney Andy one was coming. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think you told me about he this. He was making this as Disney made their live action one. Disney beat them out of the gate. But Warner Brothers was making this one. It has like a cast, like Christian Bale as a voice in it and other people. And uh, But then Warner Brothers sold it to Netflix in a move that looked an awfully lot like when they that other studio sold the Cloverfield movie to Netflix. So I don't think it's supposed to be very good. Uh, it's not for kids, I hear, either. It's mm. a dark, a darker uh, version of The Jungle Book. Okay. Two more questions about Netflix, and then I'll stop. Great. Um, will you also be watching Free Rain, The Twelve Maze of Christmas? I told you about that literally when it showed up on Friday. Because <laughs> I was writing that thing about Christmas yes. movies, which we'll talk about at some point in some episode. But uh, Are we going to watch it? <laughs> well. Or did you already watch it? I already it? did my article, so I don't have to. But yeah, we're going to watch and it. And then also... Uh, are you going to watch Angela's Christmas? I that come out. That's only uh, like a thirty-minute special. You know, my name's Angela. There's a movie called Dumplin' with Jennifer Aniston that just came out. Apparently on Netflix, a Netflix original, mm-hmm. and she was even like going around pressing this thing too. So oh. that's a real movie, apparently. And you already watched a Christmas Prince, a Royal Wedding. I sure did. <laughs> and you loved it. No, <laughs> didn't we talk about that on the last? We movie? didn't. Oh, we might have mentioned it, but I haven't. Uh, we had. Yeah, listen, maybe we'll, <laughs> if we do another episode before I go to the theater, maybe we'll talk about some of those Christmas movies for the holiday season. Okay. But now How is anyone in the things. world getting anything done with fucking Netflix? I don't know. Hulu there was a, Amazon Prime. There was an SNL skit about, like, so. there's so many things that they just make things, make shows for one person. Although that's not true because they'll cancel stuff now. They will. Oh, I know. We talked about that on last episode. It's crazy. But yeah, I know there's so many, there's just no, there's no, there's no time to watch any of this stuff. I've given up. I won't, I don't even watch television. Like I've, I've just decided that I think I've watched two television shows this year. Like I'm good. Like I don't have time. (laughs) So that's what we do. Um, I watch shit trash TV and then you watch movies. Yeah. You're watching. Yeah. I'm watching fucking Riverdale. Now I'm finishing up, uh, Midnight Texas, which is a supernatural fucking show whatever you say man has witches and angels and demons and stuff whatever you say man so we are going to talk about serendipity today and uh it came out in 2001 sure did before i talk about the high stats pull up your notes tyler because we are going to talk about what do you remember okay and what was funny is i tried to tease you and i was like what's this movie i don't remember (laughs) who's in it yes oh friends 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 I remember this fucking movie. Oh, you remember it very okay, well. Okay, now to you be... You were bait and switching me. Okay, to be super honest, though, for a hot minute there, I did confuse this plot with Family Stone, because I was talking about Family Stone with some friends, and I was um, expressing as much irritation towards that movie, but it was serendipity that I was oh. thinking of in my head. So now I've got to go back and... 
tell those people that I don't hate family stones. Rectify those relationships that you broke at work. Yes. <laughs> nice job. I mean, people who are like, we love family stone. I was like, eh. They have like, that movie's about like family members dying and you're probably like, that movie's shit. And you're just like really hurting their feelings. No, for real. And now for, don't you feel yes. terrible? Because you were thinking about this romantic yes. comedy with John Cusack. But, but I, I also feel like before I can go back and say sorry, I have to watch Family Stone. Just in case it is shitty. I don't want to be like, it's not, and then it is. We don't have it. I've seen the Family Stone. I have no... I, I, I thought it was good enough. I don't. I have no qualms or things to really say about it. Because I, I saw it, it was good or okay or fine, and then yeah. that was it. I moved on with my life. So I don't know anything but more But it does than have the Owen Wilson, who I love. Does Luke it? Wilson? Or is it Luke Wilson? I don't know. There's a lot of people in that movie. but You yeah. might have Luke Wilson. You know what that movie to me is? Because doesn't it have... I literally haven't checked. But is like Craig T. Nelson yes. in that movie? Yeah. Okay. So that, and Sarah, Sarah Jessica Barker. So because of that, I just think of Parenthood, that show. And yeah. I'm just like, that's all the same, right? Because the Parenthood show, I that's a good show. I just didn't yes. really watch it. I watched an episode here and there because you watched it. And it's like, yeah, that's a good show. So I've lumped that in there. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's fine. But yeah. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I got Craig T. Nelson, though. You did. Yeah. I got good. Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't even know that. I oh. get, is it is um, Rachel McAdams in that or is it a yes. different one? No, oh, okay. That's her she too. is too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see, I've seen this movie. Okay. Another movie we need to put on the list that I would like to watch. I don't think it, know if it falls into our category. No, because we saw it together. But I do want to watch it just to let you know. Is uh, The Holiday? Yeah. With? Jack Black and Kate, my, my girl Kate Winslet. So, and Cameron uh, Diaz and uh, Jude Law. Yeah. yeah, my friend at work was was bringing it up and she goes, it's so funny to hear which actors people go, oh, the one with? Because mm-hmm. she's like, it, it's almost like it tells you something about that person based on the first one or two actors in that movie that they remember. I also did, oh, the oh the one with Jack Black and Kate Winslet? What if other people go with like the the traditionally like dream boaty people yes, of like, uh, Cameron Jude, Diaz and Jude, Jude Law. Law. Yeah. I think Kate Winslet is stunning, so I don't know why anybody would ever think of Cameron. Yes. Not that Cameron Diaz isn't stunning, but I'm just saying Kate Winslet is like... She stole your heart. She stole my heart like years ago. I just, I, she stole my heart at Titanic. I didn't even really like Titanic, but I was like, oh, I love Kate Winslet. So there you go. That's the movie she stole your heart in? I don't know. That's probably her biggest first big one, I are suppose. You just, are you now hearing Celine Dion in your head right now? Always. <laughs> That your heart will go on always. <laughs> so Tyler, share, pull up your notes. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I was, I was buying you time. Distracting me with other conversations, <laughs> but I'm just saying that you you need to go and apologize for harping on Family Stone. Not till I see it. What if it is shitty? I don't know. I don't know either. It's so, been too long. What I think is funny is that I wrote a very uh, generic thing. I think you wrote a lot more specific things. But here, I wrote John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale meet and think keenly of each other. But then they let fate decide if they will meet again and begin a relationship. Actually, Cusack thinks it's a terrible idea. And he's right because years go by. They're both engaged to other people, but they both have this lingering feeling and they keep almost running into each other. It's schmaltzy and dumb, but I liked it back in the day. Then I watched it with Angie, and she hated it. Very 2000s, Eugene Levy, Jeremy Piven, Molly Shannon, John Corbett. What I love about your description, Tyler, mm-hmm. is that in your mind, that's a vague description. It's pretty vague. Sir, that was very fucking detailed. No, it's just, I, no, because I know this movie really well for some reason. I, like, didn't even, I haven't even seen it that many times, but it, I think it's because it's so, uh, what's the word? We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Here's what I wrote. Okay. Um, John Cusack meets Kate Beckinsale. Just, just if you've been listening to previous episodes, I never remember who the fucking actors are in these movies. So Underworld. I know, but I'm saying I actually remembered for you this do. one. You remember that, yeah. So I'm kicking ass, okay? Okay. Um, John Cusack meets Kate Beckinsale happenstance on the street or something. 
It's magical. Mm-hmm. They hang out. Then she, like a crazy person, is like, I'll put my number in this book, and if it's meant to be, you'll find it. Then, flash forward like 10 years. They never found each other. John Cusack is engaged. Like, I'm going to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you, but hey, here comes this chick from 10 years ago that I shared one moment with, so fuck you, fiance. I'm ditching you for Kate Beckinsale. That's called serendipity. (laughs) I mean, I like how you wrote that at the end. I think you're mischaracterizing the situation a little bit, but... Uh, I think I nailed the situation. Well, I think you're you're putting all the blame on John Cusack when they're both pretty much behaving in the same way at, at every point in the movie. Yeah, but as we'll get into... Yes. He is expressing, and so is his fiance, like, some true love. Like, they love each other. Like, it's nice and friendly. Whereas Kate Beckinsale's like, eh, with <laughs> well, her with her... <laughs> With John Corbett. Because John Corbett is playing, like, a yawny, like, uh, musician. It's called... But yawny is the... Oh, is that how you pronounce it? No, no. I was just thinking about the musician yawny. Oh. You know that guy? Nope. Okay, really? I mean, something's (laughs) popping into my head. Okay. But, you know, he's just like a... You know, he's just like this kind of, like... It's like some, you know, Eastern European music, but he's just like this white guy. And he's playing an instrument that I'm not familiar yes, with. Yes, that is correct. Yanni. Okay. Yes. So I, that must be the joke. They're clearly like doing a joke on Yanni. So yes. because that's so goofy, you're just like, well, Kate Beckinsale can't possibly really think of anything of this guy. Yes. Like, there's just no way. And then he like buys her a ring and it's like way too fucking small for her finger. And she's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, well, yeah, because everything is, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, I do definitely want to dig into all the terrible plot points. Well, we need to kick it off, all, though. not all terrible. I know. We do need to kick it off with some high points. <laughs> high stats. Which we've already... High stats. Which we've already talked about a few here. Came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. Which would be like our senior year of high school. Beginning of, yes. Oh, yeah. About the time I started that telemarketing job. Yeah. <laughs> Whoo! Life was going good for me. It was rated PG-13. I know a lot of 13-year-olds who definitely wanted to see this movie. I, don't I said, know. shaking my head. I don't know why it's PG-13, honestly. I couldn't point to what makes it PG-13 versus just PG, but... Uh, doesn't it tell me what the reason is? Maybe a is? couple of shits or something? I don't know. Is there is there any Link- nudity? Oh, Brief nudity? No. Back yeah. nudity? There's, some, there's a sex scene of people in the window. That's it. But they're not, like... It's just some, people. It's from the background, yeah. Yes, it uh, is the perfect 90s, 80s, 90s length of exactly one hour thirty minutes. Oh, by it was by demand that that thing. It's first of all, it's a Miramax movie before before uh, Weinstein was revealed as a piece of shit. Well, he was always a piece of shit, but a huge piece of shit. Uh, he ran his studio Miramax uh, with a iron claw, iron fist. With everything had to be exactly ninety minutes, unless it was some Oscar movie. It, I mean, this is how he made movies. It was like I you mean, couldn't make a movie past ninety minutes if it was not going up for an Oscar. Okay, put all his other stuff aside. He's a shit bag. I agree. Let's yeah. keep stuff in ninety minutes. If you can't tell that story in ninety minutes, you well certainly a romantic comedy. Yeah, like this doesn't. Yeah. yeah, no, it would be this movie would be so offensive. If it was even one minute long. Well, but I feel like movies might these be. days go way fucking long for no reason. They Dumb do. romantic comedies and just drag on. The only one I kind of o- I'm okay with is I know that it's con- this is a controversial uh, uh, remark, but I think Judd Apatow's movies are go about two hours and everybody thinks they're too long. And I think when those movies are good, that, that those two hours feel fine. 40 Year Old Virgin. Well, good. he hits you with a lot of comedy. Yeah. It's not like a lot of blah, blah, blah romance. Yeah, I like the length of, say, yeah. like, Knocked Up or 40-Year-Old Version. I think those movies are long, but I think they're solid all the way through. Yeah, so. 
I would sort. I would agree with that. Right. Came out in October, which is weird. It was also 2001, so this was like th- two, three weeks after 9-11. We're going to talk about that a little bit because I think it factors into my opinion of the movie. Um, yes, it's very strange because it is uh, basically a, a little less than a month uh, after 9-11. It's set in New York City. Mm-hmm. They apparently did have to like digitally remove uh, some, some shots of the Twin Towers, like... Uh, Zoolander did the same thing. They had to remove some shots out of that movie. And that movie, I don't remember when Zoolander came out. I thought Zoolander was the first one to have to do this. I think it might have come out in September, and they did it real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was right after that, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a it's a if nothing else, if you hate this movie, that's fine. But it is a very like pro positive New York is great kind of movie. So I think that that is an asset to it, especially when it came out. So. We can well, get into that a little bit more, but... Well, is there any movie that's not... Like, a romantic comedy set in New York is going to be like, New York is so romantic. Yes, but um, I'm just so saying... So, it's it, not it, like a win. It's leaning into it, is what I'm saying. And we can talk about the ways that it does, but it leans into that, like, New York is magical and romantic. And that, the way that, like, You've Got Mail leans into it, or yes. Sleepless in Seattle, or... Yeah, right. And that worked particularly well with that timing... Did you, okay, did you see this in I saw it in the theater, and I think that that's part of the reason why I'm a little bit more apologetic to this movie than other people are. Okay, so you're like a senior in high school, and you're like, hey guys, you want to go check out this new John Cusack movie? Number one, I probably didn't see it with anybody. Maybe my mom. Aww, that's (laughs) Um, so sweet. It's mostly likely because I just, I'm a big, especially this time of my life, big John Cusack fan. So High Fidelity has been out. I mean, I'm just, I'm all in on John Cusack, romantic comedies or otherwise. I'm just all in on John Cusack. So that's why I'm going to the movie. Yeah, not Kate Beckinsale. Fuck her. John Cusack. She was around, I guess, because she made maybe an Underworld by then, but it wasn't like, she's not like a driving force. But John Cusack definitely is. Yeah. And he, despite this movie being hit and miss pieces of crap all over the place, (laughs) he, let's talk about him for a minute. Right. uh, He's a really good actor. He is a good actor who's unfortunately, unfortunately just continues to just slum it and like straight to video stuff right now and it's frustrating because is it because like the like writers can't can't figure out how to write john cusack i think he likes to work and he'll just take work and just keeps taking the work and like every now and again he did like that love and mercy movie where he was very good in uh he showed up in a Spike Lee movie. I think wasn't he in Chirac? I think even a little bit pretty good in that. So I, I think it might just be he is older. He's not getting the kinds of roles that people are used to seeing him yeah. anymore because yeah. he's just older, and he likes to work. But yeah, I mean it's tough to watch him in some of that stuff that comes out on like direct to video. But yeah, I mean when you got Cusack firing, um, he's great. And always in my in my mind always will be. But yes. You know. oh, okay, let's hit a few more high stats. I got a little distracted there. Sorry. That's okay. With uh, John Cusack and yeah. Kate Beckinsale and Jeremy Piven. He, <laughs> Jeremy Piven's in trouble, so, you know. <laughs> Who isn't in trouble in uh, Hollywood? I don't know. I, I, I looked through some of his, and I was like, well, all right. <laughs> uh, can there be a list where it's like, hey, I'm sexual harassment free? I don't know. Like, can we celebrate those people? We'll just say alleged, because I think he is denied it. But I'm just saying, like, there was some stuff (laughs) for Jeremy Piven. Okay, so when this ran on TV, which I've never seen this before, Mm -hmm. um, so the runtime was 90 minutes, but then for TV, what's your guess? 
82? Oh, did you see this before? Yes, 82 minutes. <laughs> no, I just think they cut, what would they cut out? I could probably think of a like few Like, what eight minutes did they cut out? Mm, I could probably think of a few to cut out. I could leave about 25 minutes on the I mean, it's, on the floor. it's a stretch already, that 90 minutes. Let's, we'll, I'll admit that, and I, I'll, I'll probably go to bat for this movie more than I should. But <gasps> what? What's the, bo- so it came out October, whatever. October uh, 5th. Wait, what the money? budget, estimated budget was $28 million. Pretty modest. On opening weekend, it came in at $13 million. And it grossed in the U.S. fifty million and seventy-eight million worldwide. Yeah, okay. So it definitely made its money back, but not. This is solid for a twenty-eight million dollar budget. That's a solid. That's a solid. It didn't uh, even double. It's a solid single double. It's a solid single double. Huh. Um. Yeah. No, that's not bad for this kind of movie. They kept the budget down, so that's good. Um. Yeah. So. It's a Christmas movie in the sense that it opens at Christmas. The main sequence that involves John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale together happens at Christmas. They spend the rest of the movie apart. Maybe this first 15 minutes, it's at Christmas time. They have met, and that's what I would classify it as being a Christmas movie. Plus, there's a little thing at the end that is back at Christmas time. Plus, the climax involves some lightly falling snow, which basically is uh, that's a that's a that's just another code for a Christmas movie, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, in the way that like Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, almost a Christmas movie because it's snowy and there's some snowy moments. Okay, uh, five-year-old son Elliot, <laughs> snow, it's Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not to compare Serendipity to Groundhog Day. There's no comparison, but yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, what do we want to start with here? Well, okay. So we need to talk about <laughs> at least this this opening fifth because it, what's fascinating is that the two leads don't they don't spend the most of the movie they are apart. They have a scene at the end, but it is really all dependent on this first sequence of the movie in which we they've meet in a store. First of all, <laughs> the first right off the bat in this movie, it's given you uh, shots of New York City, and the one that they really focus on in terms of a person, mm-hmm. the, like the first person you see in the movie, is a man walking out of a department store. Mm-hmm. He's holding two toddlers in his arms, under his arms, and he's got a pacifier in his mouth. And they, like, focus in on him, like, we're going to follow him for a second. He's exasperated from shopping at Christmas. Yeah. And he's got a pacifier, because he, what, the pacifier fell, he's got a, yeah. I, I get you know that. Yeah, rolls. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But what a strange detail <laughs> to start our movie off, because there's no children in the movie. There's nothing about the movie that isn't even remotely about kids in any way. Mm-hmm. And here is a scene of this man <laughs> with a pacifier in his mouth. Mm-hmm. So they meet, they are reaching for the same pair of, are they black gloves? Yes, black cashmere gloves at right. Bloomingdale's. One of them wants them. They say, "Oh, you take it." Blah blah blah. Another straight. I guess again, I'm not in. I don't know about. I don't know. I've famously, I've ne- not famously, but I've never been to New York City personally. You have. I don't know how uh, busy and frantic people are when they're shopping in New York City. But well, these I think gloves are Christmas out. time, and it was around Christmas time. These gloves are a hot commodity. Mm-hmm. And there's a they put them down like he puts them down to like uh, let her well, first, choose them. Okay, I know this isn't important to the movie, right? But first, we're following. We go walk into the Bloomingdale's store. It's Bloomingdale's. Yeah. Okay. And then you see like the uh, retail lady mm-hmm. carrying a tray. Oh yeah. And she, we're gonna follow this lady through the store for about I don't know ninety seconds of her walking. Are we doing like a one crowd. shot? Is this like the big yes. famous like we're doing the Goodfellas uh, fucking uh, one shot nightclub scene? And here? she's holding a tray with. One pair of fucking gloves on it. Weird. In a tray. <laughs> and then she gets to the, little, the tiny little rack of gloves. We're talking it fits four pairs of gloves on well, it. Well, it's four types and then maybe like you could put a few 
There are three colors. There are three colors. There's like three whites, three browns, and she's she hangs up the one pair (laughs) of black fucking gloves. Real priority, these black gloves. So, what? Okay, there's eight minutes of the movie that could be fucking cut. <laughs> right prob- off the that bat. That probably was cut. <laughs> right off the bat. Which I'm sure the director of this was just like, hey, that's my virtuoso, like, Goodfellas opening shot. It's my tracking shot. What are you cutting out my gloves for? So I know it's not really a scene worth mentioning, but I think it is. It's strange, because this is this whole beginning thing, which is strange, right? I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing in this movie? Well... So then, <laughs> well, but then with the whole interaction, this is the big moment where we're supposed to meet them and try to establish that there's some chemistry here. Yes. And then right, right away you have a, a man come in who's also trying to get these gloves. And then they have a, this is how we're supposed to think that they're meant for each other. They come up with a, 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 a crazy story because they both say who the gloves are for are different people. But then they try to like turn it into like, oh, it was my boyfriend, but it, what, it was your girlfriend, but now it's my boyfriend because they're going through a transition or oh my god whatever like it's just such a strange thing to throw in and it's all designed to like get the guy to shoo away or whatever yes but we're supposed to be so impressed by their like the way they spin a lie which is not not convincing no that guy left because they were he was just he was annoyed by them yes it's like stop talking you two let's hear a a short clip of it right now okay um listen you take him out of here no, 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 you saw them first. I... Please, I insist. Hey, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, excuse me, sir. Yeah, these are ours. Oh, your gloves? Yes. How, how come? I mean, they're just sort of hanging there, sleeping with their little price tag on. We were just discussing them, all right? This oh, is, uh... Well, I have news for you. You can go on discussing them long after I paid for them. Calm down, all right? Just calm oh, down. No. It's five days before Christmas. I'm in the middle of a New York department store. He's asking me to calm down. Now, listen, these were meant to be a very special gift for someone. Yeah, we put quite a little thought into those. Ah, yeah. isn't that right? Oh, really? Who were they for? My, My boyfriend. girlfriend. Her boyfriend. His girlfriend. His her, girlfriend. Her boyfriend. One pair of gloves for two people. This is hard to explain. Try. All right. Go ahead. Oh, uh, well, he is at the present time my boyfriend. But in 18 months. After the operation. He will be. She will be. My girlfriend. Do you understand? That didn't really work out. No. But Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. All right. Well, you are niece. That was quick on your feet. Yes, it was a team effort. Yeah, it was. It was. I get the half thing. Ugh, it's pretty dumb. <laughs> also, I don't know any New Yorker who'd be like, I just listened to you assholes do that. Go ahead, have the gloves. Merry Christmas. I'm pretty yeah. certain. How many New Yorkers do you know? I know, like, at least, um, excuse me, at least two or three hundred thousand New Yorkers. Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah, the ones that listen to this podcast, oh, that's actually. A lot. I, I bet thousands of them are going to comment and be like, fuck yeah, we would just take those gloves. Actually, fun fact. I know we were talking about telemarketing. The telemarketing company I worked for called New Jersey and New York, uh, People. Oh, yeah. People. So that's all the people that you knew? Yep. All those people who I telemarketed to. And let me tell you, they'll tell you to fuck off real quick. Yeah, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah, that. so that scene is very uh, representative of like what this movie is, which is very overwritten. A lot of just like rat-a-tat commenting and talking and, and attempted uh, flirtation and... 
the two characters they're, they're they're commenting on like oh that was really well executed or really well done and it was like oh. not really and like he's like you were really quick on your feet no, no actually opposite john cusack it was you who was like and 18 months later pretty bad i, I mean, yeah no it's not a great uh first bit between these two not convincing in terms of like the love story of all time the magic right yes um we're 40 minutes in I'm out of tea. Are you out of tea? Yeah, oh yeah, I've been out of tea for a while. Oh, you just chugged that down, didn't you? Sure did. Yeah, you're good at that. Um, I'm just stalling so I can think of something to oh, have a okay. little tea time with Tyler. We've talked about four minutes of this movie. <laughs> would you like a spot of tea? I would like a spot of tea. Are you going to pour some for me as well? I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't boil as much water because I wasn't anticipating you need, also needing tea because you had an iced coffee. I had iced coffee like four hours ago. I know. That was your first, like, purchased iced coffee of the week. Sure. You said you went, like, all week without buying coffee. I did, coffee. except for yesterday. What? I got it yesterday. You're such a sneak. Got paid on Friday. It was just got paid just Friday night. got paid. <laughs> had to get that iced coffee in me. Okay, Tyler. Right now, I need you to list as many John Cusack movies that are better than this one. And go. Say anything. One. Gross Point Blank. Two. High Fidelity. Three. Oh, God. There's so many better ones than this. Um, all of them. <laughs> Three? That's all you got, Con, Con Air. <laughs> Con Air is Four. better than this. Uh, Runaway Jury is better than this, Five. although not by much. Okay. That was pretty pathetic. And I only filled up three quarters of the way so you could have a oh, tiny thank you. little bit. There's not much in here. Don't say thank you yet. Oh, okay. And for you, um, name as many... Kate Beckinsale movies that are better than this one. You're just staring at me. You're such an asshole. There are none. <laughs> I don't now, like any of the Underworld movies, so... Now I don't feel bad for giving you half, a quarter of an inch of uh, water for your tea There's there. probably some movie with her that I, I think is fine, but I don't... Uh, don't not a fan of the Underworld movies, so that, that Is she Underworld or is she Resident Evil? That's Mila Jovovich as Resident Evil, which I'm not a fan of any of those either, but... Is Kate Beckinsale American, or... Is, is she, she American a... in this movie? No. no. Exactly. Why would, why would she be... I'm just questioning now, as I'm thinking, sitting here right now, did she have an if accent? She, if she was American, why would she do the accent for this movie? Why would she do a British accent for this is movie if she was American? Is it possible to be American with a British accent? Yes. See? If you were born in America, then you grew up in Britain, and then you had developed an accent. That's... See, maybe that was her. Maybe. <laughs> see, that's why I was asking. I well, didn't you can certainly be, look her up and see where rude. she's from. She's British. Sure. Okay, I'm going to look real quick at her f- filmography. Sure. She's got 50 credits. That's a lot. She's currently on the Widow TV show. I don't know what that is. Oh, I thought you would. I don't know. You seem to know everything. Nope. I'm glancing over. Fi- oh, she's in Van Helsing. Not. I know that she was in Van Helsing. <laughs> Not great. Not a great movie. She's in Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, the Joss Whedon version one? I don't know. I okay. skimmed past it. It's gone. Okay. Um, yep. She's in Underworld. Don't know if you know that one. I do know about Underworld. She's in, uh, The Aviator as Ava Gardner. Yeah, okay, that movie's good. That one's better than this. Okay, so there's one you could have thought of, but I wouldn't think of her in that movie. No. Total Recall? No. In 2012? Not a great movie. Ah. She's just not getting very many movies. That's pretty much it. Yeah, they're not great. 
Yikes. But you know what, Kate Beckinsale, if you're listening to this, you just you just keep doing as good of a job as you can. She's probably rich. You're probably rich. You're beautiful. Feel free to come on the podcast if you'd like to promote your next movie. Yeah. And talk about you your You know, Angie's going to hate on movies. you a bunch, but I'm a fan of this movie, so whatever. Yeah. Okay, so that's the beginning part of their, their meet cute. But so the big thing about Kate Beckinsale in this movie is that she's real into uh, signs and fate. Fate. And things that are meant to happen will happen and things that are not meant to be happen, you will be told to not do those things. Destiny, those things. the universe tells you, it gives you signs and right. you need to listen to them. And I, maybe it's because she's... They, they're both in a relationship. They, it's established. In relationships when they meet here in this uh, moment. Yes. So maybe at first you think, well, maybe she's just doing this because like it's her nice way of just being like, all right, weirdo, go away. Like I, you're a nice guy and all, but like I'm in, a, you know, whatever. We're not going to do this. Like I'm in a serious relationship. Bye. Uh, but that's not what she does because clearly there, there's some attraction between there's the a little two. Spark. So they decide to go to a little cafe. Mm-hmm. And it's called Serendipity. Mm-hmm. So you know they have a chance to talk about the word serendipity. So they give us a definition of the word serendipity. So annoying. Yep. And then uh, they decide they're going to part ways. Mm-hmm. And John Cusack's not into this. He's like, why? We're not going to say, well, come on. So they leave. Like, they have this this moment, and she drives off, and he goes in. He's forgotten the bag of glo- the gloves or He's scarf. He's going back for a scarf. He decided to let her have the gloves. Right. He goes back for a scarf, and then right when he comes in, she comes in for the bag of gloves. So, hey, fate... Means they're supposed to spend a little bit more time together. So that's when they go over to the ice skating rink. Mm -hmm. And this is when we get the the trailer, major trailer scenes of uh, them hanging out on the ice skating rink. And he's talking about uh, their favorite movie. They're doing a rapid fire of getting to know each other. Of, uh, of what's his favorite movie? Right, which he says, "Cool Hand." He says the correct answer is "Cool Hand Luke" because this movie is written in a way that was someone who saw High Fidelity and was like, hey, let's have you do lines like that. Let's have you do lines like that, uh-huh. And then they ask about... Uh, and then she's like, and what's your favorite sexual position? Yep. Come on. What are you doing? You, you're supposed to be not be into this guy, but you can say that. Come on. And, and then she does, falls he, over. Yeah, she. they biff on that question, don't they? And yeah. then he says, like, oh, this is one's, this one's a position or whatever. It's so stupid. Um, and then he... Okay, so then the big moment is the... And this is, again, because John Cusack was in High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. She's like, favorite New York moment. Is that a good British accent? Favorite New York moment. And he's like, this one's climbing the charts. Which is Okay, he also doesn't one. have an accent. But I like how you're like, this one's climbing the charts. Hello, girl. This one's climbing the charts. <laughs> we are British Guess John. Guess what? Did go get a chance on the charts? <laughs> British John yeah. Cusack. I would love to see John Cusack do a British accent in a movie. Has he done that? British. British. We're Maybe gonna not. Google it. I, if he has, I'm not thinking it was great. But hey, I love you, John Cusack, so it's okay. John Cusack, if you're listening, sh- you're definitely more than welcome to come on the show, buddy. I was defending your straight to video movies, if you remember earlier in the episode. So yeah, no, you come on on the show, no problem. You know what I love about Google these days? Yeah, is that when you type something, it gives you the like people also ask. Oh yeah, and then you can get quick answers from other websites. So I typed in John Cusack British accent, and if you'd like to know, people also ask who is John Cusack's wife. Oh, so who's John Cusack's wife? I have no idea. Uh, Brooke Burns. Also, how much money does John Cusack have? Probably a good amount of money. <laughs> 
funny question. This is what these are the questions you used to ask Jeeves, but now Google does it for you. And just to recap today, uh, on Angie recommends, we have uh, the film "Sorry to Bother You," YouTube, and Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google. So Just get on, Google it. Get on out there and use those products of Google and YouTube. Yes. You know you're a millennial when uh, your seven-year-old asks you a question and you go, I don't know. And she goes, just Google it, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. Kids at least she doesn't have me. her own phone or device to Google it herself. So, I mean, at least we're not failing on that regard. Uh, hey, hey, having your own phone and device is not, as, is not a failure. Oh, I, I see what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing. Okay, I mean, hey, it is, hey, it is, but it's okay. Okay, because we, we fail in many, many, many oh, we other fail ways. In so many ways, it's all right. We just, <laughs> we're just, we're just poor. cheap. Yeah, we're not we're gonna just... give them devices because we can't afford it. I'm not giving them a fucking seven year old phone. all of our time. You know, we could be uh, trying to create a real business, but we're like, we'll do a podcast. Let's spend all this time watching movies and talking about them. Great idea. Yes. Um. So, um, short answer, I don't think there's any movies out there with John Cusack in a British accent. Great. Okay. Anyway. Thanks, uh, Google. So, you know, the climb in the charts thing, we're still just aping that high-fidelity business. And so then, at this point, they've had a good enough time that she finally thinks that, like, okay, I'm going to give him my phone number. She writes it on a little tiny piece of paper. A little tiny. Where did she get that fucking piece of paper? From her pocket. It's like a wad of where she had her gum in, probably. Weird. Do British people chew gum? No. Okay, that's what they I They only chew old tea bags. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's a fun fact got for you. you. Yeah. Okay. So then she decides to write down, and of course, of course, a garbage truck rolls by right when she's about to hand him the little piece of paper, and it blows away, and it goes into a little whirlwind a tornado a flurry, a flurry of other pieces of small paper, so he can't find it. Uh, and he goes, no, 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 that was just an accident. And she's all like... Fate's giving us a... Fate's telling us not to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fate's giving us a sign. We can't mm-hmm. do this. And so then we come up with the whole premise for the rest of the movie, which is, I'm going to write my... He's, she has John Cusack write his phone number on a $5 bill, and he tucks it away. She throws it throws it somewhere. Nope. She goes and buys some mints from a newspaper mints. stand. So that she gets mints, not gum. That's my point. Yeah. Because she she's mints. she's chewing on that tea they, bag. Are they Altoids or are they... What are they? <laughs> I Tic-tacs? don't even know if they were mints, but it was something small. You think they rattle around the office that would it makes Elaine Bennis all mad? So then she's all, she's the all, there, I've sent it out into the universe. And right. if it comes back to me... It's meant to be. I like how you're going to just do this for the rest of the uh, episode. <laughs> so then he's like, that's not fair. I want a chance to get you right, or, or whatever. So then she grabs uh, a book out of her uh, purse. She's reading Love in the Time of Cholera. And she Go- writes... Are you looking at notes? How'd you remember that? I know this movie. Jesus. That's uh, <laughs> not... What's wrong with you? I know this movie. Who hurt you? It was on... <laughs> it was on uh, TV. Um... So she writes. She writes her phone number in the love and time and call her. And she's like, "I'm gonna sell the book. I'm gonna drop Governor. this off. I'm gonna drop this off at the nearest used bookstore in the Not morning. Not the nearest, because then that way he would just go to that one, right? But she doesn't. He doesn't know where she lives. She just says, "Oh, that's true." She does say that. Don't fucking correct me. Okay, fine. I know I'm doing an accent, but I'm I'm knowing my you. business. I can't understand your cockneyed accent. So then, uh, that's what happens. And then, and then that's not enough. 
They want one more chance at fate. Well, I think someone was just like, kind of seems like they haven't spent enough time in this movie together. Mm-hmm. How could they have a relationship? So they got to do a ne- yet another one of these like fate tests. Which I like to call, it's time for the elevator game. The elevator game. The ele- 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 elevator game. So they go to the... What is this? <laughs> they go to the Waldorf Astorio, uh, which is, look, at least it's not Trump Tower. Because that would at really have dated this thing. Like, wait, that would be a huge distraction, right? If they went to Trump. Well, yeah. it's not a hotel Home anyway, is it? Home Alone what? No, what's that was when, okay, Home Alone 2, Donald Trump owned the Plaza Hotel during... That's what you're thinking. Yes, that was, but he, it wasn't called Trump Hotel, it was just the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. And he is in that movie, but for a brief second. But no, it's the Waldorf Astoria. So they play a game, was like, I'm going to select the button on the... That's yeah, so me there's, doing like, John there's like 25-ish floors. More than that. There's like... 50 floors. And she's like, we'll both get into the elevator. Right. They're facing each other, like one elevator's across the hall, and, and then they're, so they're facing each other. You push a button, I push a button. If we both end up on the same floor, it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. So they show us them getting into the elevator. She pushes the number 23. Oh, there's another reason you love this movie. Number 23. Because you love the number 23. Number 23. Michael Jordan. Sure. I was and a big Michael Jordan fan you back were. when I was Lots a child. Lots of this is starting to click into place for you. Number 23. This is before Jim Carrey made that movie, The Number 23. Everything's about then, The Number 23. Then uh, John Cusack gets in his elevator. He also pushes the number. <gasps> 23. 23. They're meant to be. Guys, okay. They're, they're meant this to is be. how you know. The rest of the movie, no matter what you think about what they do or what the decisions they make or their emotional stakes and other people's relationships. Or their engagements. They were meant to be because they picked the same button on the elevator. Forget mm-hmm. all the rest of the stuff. They are meant to be together. They're meant to be. Movie over. But then... A little motherfucker gets into that hotel elevator with John Cusack. He's dressed in a devil costume. It's not Halloween, but he's just wearing a devil costume. Nope, it's with his five dad. days before Christmas. They've made as that the clip very clear. Us. He pushes all the buttons on the thing, lights it up like a Christmas tree, so to speak. And you know what? John Cusack goes like, "Hey, don't do that!" And the dad's like, "Hey, he's just a kid. No, fuck you, parent. Your kid's a fucking asshole." Yeah, that kid's. He's literally dressed as a devil. And and if my kid does that, I'm not going to be like, don't yell at my kid. I'm going to be like, you're an asshole. Right. Sawyer. But then <laughs> I'll I'll argue that really, if he had just, listen. Gotten out and gotten to a different elevator? No. Oh. Because that would be different. She would know if she'd be onto that game. But so he gets, every, as he keeps going up, more people get on this elevator and they start because oh, they've hit every button, mm-hmm. they start peeking out of the uh, of the elevator to see if she's around, right? And I would argue that I know you have to stop because if all the buttons have been lit up. I would argue that that little extra time where they're just like popping in and out, popping in and out, That's someone would be holding it. the door because if he had just given himself an extra, because he's he's breaking the fate, right? He's checking every floor that he goes up to. Yeah, and he That's on him, right? So what I think he should have done he, was say, "Get the fuck out of my elevator!" Like a fucking crazy person, and then just gone up. And then by you himself. just hold your hold your finger on that that button, mm-hmm. that close button. So every yes. time it opens, you just hold that sucker yes. down, and you just go up to where that. Look, you yes. got to play your game. It's so, a stupid game. Nine minutes later, he makes it to the floor twenty three. And she's already take. Finally, she's waited. She's waited forever, but she's she's done. And then one second later, his elevator. She gets in to go down. One second later, his opens. They just miss each other by just a fucking second. And if you like that, then get ready for thirty five more scenes in this movie where they almost run into each other, or they. Almost meet, or they almost have something happen to them where they could have just been together because that's what the rest of this is. Okay, serendipity, serendipity. So, um, this movie's bad, Tyler. 
tell me what you're you're loving about it in the past and tell me about at this point how you're feeling rewatching it now. Okay. So when I saw this, again, I liked John Cusack a lot. I was in high school, senior year, uh, going through uh, high school things, uh, high school uh, things with uh, the the ladies, the opposite sex. Feelings. Not, not and... being particularly good at uh, uh, relationships or uh, sharing emotion <laughs> or anything like this. So you get a couple of things like that uh, tied on there. Uh, it's three weeks after 9-11. Everybody, I know we're on the other side of the country, but everybody's just feeling like shit. It's a shitty time to just be thinking about really Mm -hmm. anything about what's going on. You get a movie about New York. It celebrates New York in a a real, just not intent. You know, certainly no one made it to make it like more of like a New York. I mean, it was made the way it was. But even the New Yorker and Bloomingdale was like, hey, have a Merry Christmas. It's just, I mean, nothing was changed, but yes. it, it just is those, it, there's these movies like this that just, they celebrate New York City as like this magical place, right? Mm-hmm. Home Alone 2, except for like the weird homeless scary people thing, celebrates New York as a magical place. And that is still, I mean. I don't remember what you're talking about. Well, home, don't worry. Home we'll Alone 2. do those episodes. But, okay. um, so you get that going for it. And I think that, you know, I, I'm also a sucker. Listen, I'm a guy that openly requested uh, assignments for the publications I work for to write about bad Christmas movies in which they are very bad movies, but they've got like a little romantic slight. There's snow falling. It's ridiculous. There's just a little bit of like that seasonal warmth that goes along. It's kind of like with last, last week we talked about Scrooge, which is I, Scrooge, which I think is a, a, a relatively bad movie, but hey, for about five minutes at the end, that thing kind of feels like almost like a nice warm movie, movie. Little bit of Christmas magic. Yeah. And so, this movie gives you that. It gives you that in its final little climax, although we will talk about the most ridiculous thing in the world that happens in that scene. But it gives you, like, the snow-falling romantic uh, swoon that I think why these movies are successful. It gives you that. And it gives you two actors who are relatively charming together. And, yes, it's bad. Yes, the plot is not good. Yes, the script is horribly overwritten. But... It's October. It's a month after 9-11. I saw it in the theater. I like John Cusack. You do the math. I don't know. I can't defend it. I just remember having a nice, warm feeling about it after I saw it. And now? I like the things I like about it, but it's not good. <laughs> okay. What do you remember seeing it with me? Because you, I think you enjoyed it so much, you're like, oh, you should watch this. Well, because I think when we first started our relationship, you were kind of uh, famously, like, you didn't see that many movies, really. No. You just didn't see a lot. Your parents had, like, the same 10 VHS tapes, it sounds like, and yeah. you guys watched all those ones. Yeah, they were awesome. East Ventura with Nature Calls and... Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Planes, <laughs> Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. And Christmas those the, Vacation. Those are the ones you watched, because you just had those VHSs. You didn't know the DVDs. You still got those VHSs at your parents' house. I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> you might have upgraded a few of them to DVD. Yeah. Maybe a few. Um, so we were just seeing lots of stuff, and it was relatively new, I think, and maybe it was just that I had just gotten it. or Well, I, I had to obtain this movie, so I didn't own it. Um, see, I didn't like it enough to own it, I guess. But uh, we watched it, and we were – I think we watched it relatively new into our relationship – and you were just comically angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I thought that, that was funny, but then, like, I think there was even a point where you were kind of mad at me for liking the movie <laughs> or saying that I liked it. Not even, like, after the fact. I was like, oh, what'd you think of that? And he's like, I fucking hate it, and I hate you for, like, suggesting that this is a movie that's good. <laughs> like, you were angry. You were angry with me for saying that it's good. And I think it's because... And you did it a little bit in your description. You're just, like, you're laying it all the blame on John Cusack's <laughs> character of, like, being engaged to someone. I think you kind of, like... For some reason, you really connected with this character that has, like, five lines of dialogue in the movie. It's his, Bridget Moynihan. His fiance. Right. Because this, as you've kind of shared You've with, never been left by, by any, at the altar. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in high school, uh, I've been the, I was the heartbreaker. Like, right. I've never been dumped. So, I don't know why this feeling arose. Probably because we started dating. And I was like, well, I'm all in on you, but... You're telling me that just if some whimsical girl from your past comes and is like, I'm back, you'd be like, fuck you, Angela, I'm out. And I think, So I think that triggered some, like, jealousy, potential jealousy issues. You had jealousy issues for a, a, a person, a man, who famously had never had a long-term relationship of any kind. But you had pined over people sure. before. And you were worried that, like, well, what if that person came into your life? And I, yes. not worried, but I would say that... You were just like... I was like, well, if Tyler can get on board with, like, serendipity and fate and destiny, <laughs> right. despite a clear commitment to a happy, successful relationship, what the fuck? And I, I look, I'll preface this by saying I think we watched this, like, within the first, like, two or three months of our relationship. Oh, when I was, like, crazy as fuck. Right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it was like, we weren't, like... We weren't even ourselves yet, really. We were no. 18 still. Yeah, we're still in a like, new going... relationship, trying to figure out how to like live on our own, let alone like how to like deal with a real relationship. Especially yes. me, who'd never really been in a long term relationship. I think what really pissed me off is that the the when the movie flashes forward seven right. years or whatever, when you do the math based on some throwaway comment, flashes forward seven years. It's days before his wedding, right? So we're not just talking. He's in some relationship. We're talking. He's gonna get married any fucking minute here. Right. So it's not just... And oh, it just feels shitty. It just feels like a piece of shit for even... Like, if you're not in, guy, fucking break up with her. Right. And we've had friends that have been engaged and have done the whole breaking it off before they get married. Yes, that's the correct thing to do. If he, it doesn't feel right, he break does. up months before you're married, <laughs> not the day of the fucking wedding. This is a more, it might have been before midnight. <laughs> the day of the wedding, that's such a shitty thing to do it to is. someone. Okay, so... And what, so this is, now we'll, we'll, I'll try to just, I'll try to defend this a little bit. I'm not, it's not a good scenario. Tread lightly, sir. Tread lightly. It's, <laughs> it's not, it's all inadvertent. Like, all the things it's trying to do to make John Cusack likable and to put you in his shoes of comp feeling comp complicated emotions and being in a bind are all of those things, like, he's, they're doing it, it's unintentional. Like, to mm -hmm. make him look like a shitbag, it's all, unintentional. The, the screenwriter of this movie did not intend for that to happen. It's because they were trying to do a couple different things. Number one, this was at a point where people were real tired of the trope of like the shitty girlfriend, the shitty boyfriend. Uh, they're terrible. They're not meant for them. These Hallmark Christmas movies still like to lean hard on this where someone is, who, they're it's dating someone but they're not bag. right for them. Like they're yeah. bad. They're not good people or whatever. So this was a time when they were like, well, we, if we want to make a good version of this, we need to push back on this cliche. Mm -hmm. So we make his new fiance likable or at least fine. Like she's, there's nothing negative about her. Not there's not a one negative. Thing. She's likable. They seem to have a good relationship. They, she seems to be 
there's nothing, there's no red flags. There's no, none of that. And so this is one of those, and this has become a more prevalent thing where they try to do this. So they have this instead, and then they make it so it's his wedding because they need this note. This movie needs like this ticking bomb aspect for the the running back and forth. They wants this movie wants to be frantic and it wants to like, oh, he's got to do this before time runs out or he's else it won't her. work. He's got to find her. So it's this false sense of time. But unfortunately, to set that up, he's got to basically lie to her about what he's doing all the time during this whole thing. He seems distracted. She, I mean, she's so good. She even like recognizes this and is just like, whatever is going on with you, can you just like let it go or figure it out? Like you seem really distracted. You're not really here. What's Way going too on understanding with you? about it. Like <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but it's all a means of like setting up the screenplay to be like almost like a thriller pace, which is is bonkers. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. because it doesn't. That's where the the logic just slips through. Like this is it makes him look like a worse guy than what he's presented as. He's presented as a thoughtful guy who's following his emotions, who's following this great moment. But we're forgetting this whole. It's all set up for just like this ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Like it, she's not. They do too good of a job of making that Bridget Monaghan character like. A likable. likable person. Like, it, it, it's an inadvertent problem. And I wasn't, like, mad at him. I'm just mad at the plot. Because he does a really good job of selling. And he feels bad the, for he does. doing what he does. At some point when he realizes that she's not the one for him. Right. Like, he sells that scene so fucking good that, like, I was like, oh my god, I'm, like, totally with you, John Cusack. Whereas... Kate Beckinsale's in a relationship. He has proposed to her that she's not as far along, but he's such a goofball mm-hmm. that it's just like he's not he, he's not unlikable, but yeah. he's a goofball. He's, so you're just like, well, they're not meant to be together. She's yeah. meant to be with a, a more naturally normal human being, not yeah. a Yanni. Essentially, yeah. he's not a bad guy. They're just totally incompatible. That's the idea there. So that one works a little better because it because it's just cartoonish almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's an imbalance, and that's where I think that it doesn't work for the John Cusack character to kind of do all these things. And so we get – what's strange about the movie is that it – you know, I I say it's a romantic comedy. It really isn't. There's not a lot of comedy elements. There's also not a lot of like – I mean, it's a lot of running around. Okay, so it's a a romance movie, but – we have Molly Shannon is uh, Kate Beckinsale's friend. So mm-hmm. Molly Shannon is funny. She has kind of a funny character to play, and she's certainly trying to give a little bit more humor in this thing. I think we're supposed to think the Jeremy Piven character, who's John Cusack's friend, is funny. I, I, it's hard now because yeah. we know more about Jeremy Piven. Yeah. I, what I liked about his character is that in this movie, he was actually just like a good friend. Like, mm-hmm. a, like, actually just, like, a good friend. He didn't lead him astray. He was there to kind of support him in in the whole thing. I kind of liked, I don't know, I kind of liked his character. Right, and he, I mean, he even gives him the advice toward the end, which is just, like, if you're running around doing this, even if it's not, because there's a certain point where he feels like it's not going to work out, and that he needs to let go of this pipe dream of Kate Beckinsale. But at least, but at that point, he's just like, hey, don't you think if you've been running around over this girl, maybe you shouldn't be getting married to the girl that you are getting married to? And it's like... Oh, yeah. Like, maybe you guys should have this conversation before you started running all over the place. Yeah, but... like two years ago before you fucking asked this girl to marry you. And that's the really bizarre thing about this movie is that it, there's a time jump and we've skipped over all this time where he searched for the book and all this other stuff. But it just feels so like – and again, they're just trying to like create this new sense of urgency in him, I guess. So he's getting married so he has to do this one final hurrah. Yes, one last go. But it just feels weird. It's been seven years. Like, what? And, and and in her motivation, too, of just, like, going – she chooses to go to New York to kind of, like, see if she can track him down. It 
feels weird. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It, it works for a movie because we just saw those scenes, and it would make sense that they had this great night. They want to meet, but seven years have gone by. Mm-hmm. Seven years is a long time. I don't feel like if okay, so if I'm not married to you, I don't feel like seven years, seven fucking years. I'm going to think back to somebody I spent a day with, one fucking day. They didn't that, and they just be like, okay, now I'm going to drop everything in my life. I'm going to get in a plane and I'm going to go try to find this person. Plus, I don't know if we're given the information in the beginning to really suggest that it's seven years worth of, like, pining over. Like, because it's... The, it, I think that it's positing that it's because it was a missed opportunity. Like, it was didn't happen. The it's only... more about what didn't happen than what did happen. Yeah. I mean, he is... It, it is... The fiance does mention like, oh, you're always like looking for this book in all the bookstores, oh, yeah, which there's... which says he has been thinking about her since he's fucking been with her. So, but that's constantly a... what? Okay, so that's a, that's a scene I like in this movie. I know, me too. They give each other these. He, well, first of all, they're supposed to give each other their gifts, their wedding gifts. He forgets her like a fucking idiot, like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but she gives him the love and the time of cholera book. And, well, first of all, it's the actual book that she wrote in, which is so fucking stupid. But, um, but I do like his acting. Like, he, it's devastating when well, he sees so this nice, book. She's, she's like, so nice, because she's like, you're always looking at this every time it's we a go into a gift. bookstore. And you, I noticed that you don't actually have it. Yeah, so she looked. She I looks... got this first edition. Here it is. Yeah, and it's the book with the phone number in it. And it, like, it, he feels like shit. <laughs> like He definitely sells the feeling like shit. Like, he f- he knows he's an asshole. He really should have probably broken up with her at this point. Like, mm-hmm. the, this was, even to even extended it beyond this is just uh, pretty bad. Because, like, you just know, like, oh, shit. She's he, like, he her looks, undoing is his book. He looks like... He does such a good job of selling the balance of like, I'm so happy that I have found this, but now I'm utterly heartbroken I'm a of what bag. it means. He knows he's a shitbag, basically. And he knows what it means. It means this relationship is over. Right. Yeah. So it's good. I mean, he's a good actor and it works. And Bridget Bonham's good in the scene, okay. too. Okay. Here's a question for mm-hmm. you. Do you think he didn't break up with her then? Because as a character, he's got to call that number and shit. If that shit's disconnected, he's still getting married. I don't know, like, because he does, I, is it because he, he knows he's not getting married to this girl. I'm glad that we does don't have this. Does he, though? This, uh... Because he's selling it the whole fucking time to her. Right. And her parents and his parents. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is where we've jumped to the end because this is where what's notable in the movie. What we get in between of this is, like, 40 minutes of just rampant running around, uh, including yeah. a, an extended sequence where, because <laughs> it's 2001, Eugene Levy is playing yeah. the uh oh he's he's a store he's at the store Blue where he, he goes back to get uh try to track down the girl cuz he found the res- old bag with the old receipt, receipt of the gloves it, which feels weird that he didn't try this years before that he didn't notice this or whatever fucking idiot right uh so then we get so then I for- I forgot that Eugene Levy's not in that first scene he's not an employee at that store 7 years prior he's only shows up in this movie for it's it's like five minutes. He's not in the thing very much. He was pretty well featured in the marketing of it too, because it was two thousand one and American Pie was a thing. And he's just a fucking annoying 
I mean, I know. It's why just, are we even talking about it? It's so annoying. Because that you can't talk about like we're jumping ahead to like what's notable, but there's all this stuff in the middle where it's just like we got to go track those receipts down. They have to have another scene where they go to like the warehouse where they're keeping all the old receipts and orders, and Eugene Levy tags along on that and is like massaging Jeremy Piven's back and his his, his shoulders. And then they find the receipt, and then they find her old boyfriend. And, and it's then... another clue to another clue, and it's another clue to another clue. And they, like, yeah, the old the old uh, roommate. roommate is a guy who can't speak English well, and he's like, oh, she sat on me, which I thought was kind of funny, actually, because he meant, like, sit for me. And then, like... The, he's a painter. And, like, oh, you have a picture of her? Let's see who she is. And then even the, the picture, like, some abstract picture of her or whatever. So, I, oh, that's cute, I guess. But it's just more and more of this stuff. And and then Kate Beckinsale is over in, with Molly Shannon. They're doing the same thing. Molly Shannon's getting hit with golf balls. Uh, she's not having a good time, and then, I mean, it's just, there's so many, like, conveniences, like, Molly Shannon runs into John Cusack's fiance, they're old, like, she was an RA at the college, and she decides to go to the, like, we're gonna go to the wedding, all this side stuff, they're so close, she's driving by, and he's dropped something, like, there's, wasn't there something that he, like, leaves behind or something, and then she picks it up or something? So much. It's just all of the stuff that's going on it's just ridiculous uh i'm so it's not, i'm so bored even talking about this it's not christmas right time now. during the sequence so i'm just like i'm checked out because there's like no snow or christmas stuff going on and no christmas music playing so i'm just like this part's not working mm-hmm. they got the flying back and there's like a little there's even like a little montage of them going back and forth it, it's just it's just a bunch of uh, stuff oh by the way she gets on an airplane uh she being kate beckinsale mm-hmm. with her friend's wallet Oh you yeah, you can tell this was filmed prior to nine eleven. Oh yeah, she had didn't have her ID. Or whatever. You're like, and, you bitch, you did not get on that flight. Yeah, no, well, I mean, they made it before that, so you know, those I, small details are kind of always fun in the eighties and nineties movies. So, and then the one thing I could, this is still two thousand one, is still this time where it's still a few years removed from Pulp Fiction and the Quentin Tarantino rush, and this is everything in this movie is so overwritten especially the jeremy piven character he is just because he's an obits writer for the new york times which i which is kind of funny because i actually worked an obit desk at a you did you used to be an obit writer very different um this is a it's suggested in the new york i don't know how the new york times works but it suggested he like does research and writes stories about people who have died and like they're real like little mini biographies whereas when i was on obit's desk i was getting paid very little and i was just like compiling data (laughs) here's a sheet of people's like high stats of their death yes (laughs) here's where they were born here's who survived right and then sometimes that stuff's already written and i'm just like putting it in our format it wasn't like a lot i mean it was more like administrative work than it was like writing obits but uh, I share that a part of this uh, this movie. You sure do. Anyway, Jerry Piven is just so because he works for the New York Times, even though he's an obit writer, he's just so uh, colorful in his language and articulate. Well, you know, as, a ph- as philosopher blah 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 oh, he said, says that, yeah. quote 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 quote. Well, you're he, not a real person. He does a quote, and he's very, he's supposedly very charming, or not a quote, a toast at the rehearsal dinner. He's very charming. He writes his best man speech, and this is kind of the climax of the movie. He writes it as a form of an obit for his friend. And he writes about the experience he had chasing after this girl this last night before. He's positing that he's a, a hero for doing this and going after. Like, he, he's a good friend, but he's egging on, like, bad behavior. Although he's he's doing it because his own relationship with his wife has fizzled out. And it's just such a side plot. He doesn't, you don't ever even see the wife. Mm-hmm. Maybe just for a scene. 
but she doesn't speak, but he he's inspired to go work it out with his wife because of his rom- big John Cusack's big romantic gestures. But anyway, he's just everything is just so overwrought. The the movie references, the Cool Hand Luke, the Godfather reference in the movie. It's all like very like this person who wrote this movie was like, "Ooh, Tarantino screenwriting." It was just a very very common thing in this era of movies. It was everything was just overwritten. Not letting scenes breathe, not letting people talk like they should talk like normal people it was trying to be a little too snappy two people don't talk like this and not snappy in like a a, an old like his girl friday that's snappy in a a good way old but way back in the time but this is snappy in like that tarantino like wannabe yeah it just it dates the movie a little bit more than you can just you tell i i would you if you if i knew nothing about the when this movie was made i could i could probably narrow this down to like late 90s 2000 mm-hmm. early 2000s movie because of that and i think that it doesn't age well in that regard very well but anyway uh, it's a lot of contrivances i can't defend most of this movie during during the stretch but you do get a little bit of that romantic uh snow falling because he goes back to the ice skating they've both given up they've both broken up with their respective fiancés he has decided to oh <laughs> everything about this is dumb it's so she, bad it's so bad she's really. left her jacket there already oh, oh. she's been at the ice skating rink before because that's where they went on their date and by, you know there's a chance he might be at this ice skating rink on this random day she leaves her her jacket there so what does john cusack do it's spring and it's it's they've made comments on how cold it is and so he goes out on the rink, which is just like a roller skating rink, right? Uh-huh. He takes this jacket off this bench that he's sitting on. It's her jacket, but he has no way of knowing that it's just – it could be a homeless person. It could like, also just jacket. be a lady who's setting it down for five fucking minutes. <laughs> There's people on the rink. Yes. <laughs> who's going to be like, hey, asshole, that's my fucking leather jacket. That's yeah. my two hundred dollar leather jacket. He's an asshole, fucking because dick. Because earlier he's at the golf, the golf range, the the driving range, and he sticks a piece of gum on the fucking uh, bench that someone else finds you later. You know what that is? He's an asshole. That's a monster. He's a monster, is what he is. That's a monster. Yeah, you think so? I saw the movie Elf. That, you know what's going to happen with that piece some of gum? Poor naive elf is going to come and chew all that uh, gum up. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> So he takes that and he puts his head, he uses it as a kind of a pillow on the rink. In the middle of the rink, he's just going to lay down. There's fucking people roller skating around. Also an asshole move. If I was at a roller skating <laughs> rink and I'm just roller skating with my date and just some fucking old asshole just lays down in the middle of it. It's New York, baby. I'm like, what the fuck? Get out of here, guy. There's a fucking bench over there. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Right. I mean, I, I suppose in New York, you're probably used to like, Homeless people or people that, that don't look like, like John Cusack doing that. With using a leather jacket as a fucking pillow. <laughs> so he lays down. But look, we got this nice gentle music playing. The snow is falling slowly onto the rink. And what appears in the sky above his eyes, the snow. From about 50 feet above him. Because they each have a glove, Right. Yes, it's been shown they each have one glove from the original pair. Right. The god, the second glove, is flying through the air, and it lands right on his chest. In another, like, flurry of snowflakes are starting to fall, and it slowly comes down from high up in the air and floats and flitters a little, and they slow-mo this fucking dropping of the glove from while. 50 fucking feet above him, and, and it, it lands right on his now, chest. Now, if you were to be able to, to drop a 
you'd have to basically be standing no more than two feet in front of him to really be able to kind of throw the glove up into the air and have it land on his chest. But the height at which this glove it's is a pretty, It's down. pretty high up there. Like, it's really high. It falls for a while. So even that, okay, so even if you were, you were standing damn near right on top of him, mm-hmm. it would be a tough thing to do. But what mm-hmm. we see <laughs> is the next shot is that you see her out of focus behind him after the glove has fallen on his chest. She's on the- 100 feet. She is on the edge of the rink. He's in the middle and she's on the far, far side. She has thrown this yeah. glove. She's half a football field away from you him. You couldn't put like a baseball inside the, the glove and throw it and have it land the way it lands. Mm-hmm. You couldn't put a brick to have it land I'm like taking this her to the fucking carnival. She's going to win all those games. It's an incredible throw. Is it fate that it was able, like, I think maybe it suggested that like some wind has picked it up, but that's got to be a big gust of wind. I to, mean, like, that's grab the, this that's towel. The power this, uh, of- Destiny, Glove. Tyler. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a very dumb moment. But then there's like a camera spin, a slow camera uh. spin with the snow falling and they kiss. And, uh, you know, it was fate. It was meant to be. They finally got together after seven years. And then fun fact, they broke up two days later. No? <laughs> um, they do get together. La, la, la. Happily ever after. They have a scene at the... They they jump ahead to sometime in the future. It's not next Christmas, but it is Christmas time. They go back to the store. They call it the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Eugene Levy's there mm-hmm. for one more stupid joke with Eugene Levy. And that's the end of the movie. So we end at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So let's hear what Roger Ebert thought about the movie. Oh, you what would audio Roger clip? say? No, hear it from my voice. Oh. I will channel him through his uh, review here. Okay, I already um, know. I this is a I have a book um, a book called Your Movie Sucks mm-hmm. by Roger Ebert from mm-hmm. and it features bad reviews from a certain stretch of time, one of which is Serendipity with one and a half stars. I've read the review uh, a few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it? It's probably this review I got I'm, pulled up right here. It absolutely, is. Okay. I'm very familiar with it. Okay, well I'm just going to read the last paragraph. Okay, if that's all right with you, it'd be great. Okay, by the time these two people finally get together. If they do, I don't want to give anything away. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking of noon tests. What if she puts a personal ad in a paper and he has to guess which paper? How about dedicating a song to her and trusting her to be listening to the radio at that moment in that city? What about throwing a dart at a spinning world globe? I hope this movie never has a sequel because John and Sarah are destined to become the most boring married couple in history. For years to come, people at parties will be whispering, See that couple over there? The Traegers, John and Sarah? Whatever you do, don't ask them how they met. <laughs> I'm very familiar with Oh my with god. It's I love great. that. That's fucking hilarious. It's a great it's a great review. I read it a few times. Whatever you do, don't ask them how they met. I can't I can't uh I can't disagree with anything. It's in that review. Because... I agree with him. I mean, what's great about that review is right that that last sentence, don't ask him how they met. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, these two assholes will be like, oh, my God. So we were like at this blooming and then and you're just like, oh, my God, I want to stab my eyes out. That's exactly what the movie is. And it gives you, you 90 watch- minutes of this. <laughs> it's like it is the equivalent of listening to someone tell the story at a party. <laughs> it is exactly what this movie is. And it's the worst fucking thing ever. With Molly Shannon every now and again. Oh, having a God. A, a yeah. So... Listen, <laughs> it's not good. Okay, he has he has another line that I really like. Yep. Um, years pass. Two, so he's talking about in the middle of the movie, years pass. Two or three in the movie, more in the theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie is real slow. 
It is slow for 90 minutes. This is, I guess, the stretch in the middle is really, really hard to watch now. I mean, although, didn't I say while we were watching it, it feels like it's clicking along? Well, because it, I mean, yes, it, it it has a frantic pace. It has a frantic pace. But is it's that... still moving like molasses. Like, nothing's really fucking happening. No, not really. And nothing really does happen until the end, which is, and it's such a brief scene. And then you get a, a small little coda at the end, but it's not, um, no, it's not. I think I like the poster of this movie. I think that might be one of the reasons why I think I, I decided I liked the movie. I liked the... I don't know. <laughs> I'm just reading it. It's a good review. review. I'll give you that. Just go online and read it. It's pretty funny. Like, funnier than this whole podcast. Just turn it off. Go read that. We're trying to be funny? No, but okay. I mean, it is funny. Yeah. I don't know. I can't... It's one of these that you, you can't defend. I, I watch it. I watch it again with you. It's not good, but it's got snow falling and it's set at Christmas. So that's something. Is it something? It's New York. <sighs> it, it is forever burned at a moment in my life that I clearly was like, I went to the movie with, apparently with my mom and was just like, <sighs> like, someday. someday something right will happen for me. And it did not, not long after. Yeah. Fate did uh, play its uh, role in our, and how we met. How we met. I'm not going to talk about it because it turned into a 90-minute fucking serendipity movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the one thing that I'll say that kind of uh, – if that's this is my, like, uh, sigh movie or whatever, it's not. I, I, I think I just happened to see it on a, a particularly, like, a broken day of my broken Aww. high school life. Um, to think that it was okay, because I even remember of a log of it somewhere. I was like, "Oh yeah, serendipity B plus." Well, you you had it. It you said you saw it in theaters. You I did. saw it three weeks after fucking nine eleven. Love John Cusack. We were Definitely all a wreck. just feeling like a need to kind of love on New York a little bit, and I think yeah. it it does that more so than you know, to, like I think Spike Lee's like uh, twenty twenty fifth hour. That movie is like a heavy. I think that's two thousand a year later, but it that is like to me is like the movie that I define like response to nine 11 in terms of just how powerful it is. But, uh, this was just like at the time, I think a movie I just kind of needed in the moment. And so it served that purpose. And so it always has like a rose colored, uh, tint to it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Cause even as we were describing that terrible scene at the end where she throws that glove, I'm just like, Aww. but the snow's falling. Like it's, <laughs> there's, it's pretty snow. And it, it, to me, it's like well done movie snow. It looks it's probably not real but it looked like it was a lot of snow. They were putting a lot of like snow in the in the I disagree. It looked like soap flakes. Did it to you because yes. I've seen listen, I'm a bit of an expert on these bad Christmas oh, movies. Oh, are you a little bit of an expert? Yeah, I am. And <laughs> I am. I will defend that. The, the the level of like snow falling in those movies, it's always at the end, right? Mm -hmm. It looks like it's just like one machine right over their the two actors. That's exactly what this looked like. It looks better, I think. You're just duped because of that shot of the camera going straight up looking at that glove. And you're like, well, there's no thing shaking the snow down, so it must be real fucking look up snow. There. No, look, that was a clue. Obviously, it was real snow. Like, they, they couldn't get this shot otherwise. The guy was able to do his Goodfellas opening at the beginning with the gloves. Of course, this God. filmmaker knows me. We didn't even talk about the director. Who even made this movie? I, I already closed my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking done. But it's on Hulu. We didn't require any effort to watch it. Yeah. 
So uh, if uh, you sort of remember this or you don't or you're listening to this because it's one of your favorites, go back and watch it again. Fun fact, there was uh, several points where I was buying, like, you know how I like to buy DVDs on eBay of, like, 2 or $3 DVDs of movies we we're going to try to do for this podcast? I kept coming across Serendipity. I was like, oh, I'm going to get Serendipity. We can do it, like, for a winter time or a holiday mm-hmm. season. And it was always, like... Four fifty five, and I was like, too much. <laughs> like it was always just too much. Oh, I was like, no, nope, lower. It's I can't. Over the line. It's got to be like two ninety nine, or I'm not getting it. And I'm glad that I held out because it was on Hulu. Yay for us, Hulu. Yay Good timing for us to get Hulu on there. Okay, so in summary, mm-hmm. Tyler still loved it. No, <laughs> I don't love it. I don't. It's not good. You still love it. I think it's like it's got a rose color i i like the I, memory of feel i like thinking about how it made me feel for 90 minutes in 2001 mm-hmm. i don't like the movie i don't think it's very good i think there are lots of other better movies i don't think it's particularly representative of any time in my life it doesn't really represent me as a person at all because it doesn't have anything to do with me i would say that like a big movie for me and our rela- – we'll do this maybe for our 100th episode. Punch Drunk Love is 2002. That's a very important movie to me in terms of uh, who I am or who I what I like in terms of mm-hmm. film. That There's none of this. This is what just about, a movie that I happened um, to see and I was like, oh, I was okay with it. What about that Kate Winslet movie? Which one? The Orange or something like Eternal that. Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. A yeah. little bit later. It's like 2004. That would really be stretching our I know, uh, but role. I mean as far as... In terms of like a, a movie that's important to me for a, from a certain time period, yes. I think that those two... If I had to pick like early 2000 movies that mean a lot to me, I would pick Punch Drunk Love. I would pick Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. I would pick 25th Hour. I would not pick Serendipity. <laughs> <laughs> but I do... I watched this movie and I remember just like going like... I went to the theater, I was feeling really shitty, and I felt a little bit better for just a little bit that day, and it made me okay. And I think that's why people go to these movies. I think why people, that's why they watch the Hallmark movies. They yeah. give you a little bit of, like, warmth. I think if this is a movie where you turn your brain off oh, for 90 minutes, <laughs> yeah, it's, definitely. A, it's, a, it's a joy. Because I was taking notes, and it's not a good thing to take no, notes but if, during this if movie. if you're paying attention and you're thinking about these characters, it's obnoxious. No, I think that's why you can watch like one of those Chris Hallmark Christmas movies. It's better to just kind of have it on. Yeah, you <laughs> just watch it. You're wrapping presents. You're doing something else. You're on your phone a little bit. They work better when you don't have to think too hard about them because then they, the contrivances pile up. And if you believe in like fate and destiny, then th- I can see how this movie could really connect with you. But it's, I mean, even that's a little bit weird. She's got some wonky. I ideas mean, I'm with Roger Ebert, who's like, I'm going to think of more tests, tests of fate. <laughs> I you don't test fate. That's no. kind of, that's, like, she's being kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. Fate, you let fate, if you believe in fate, you should just let it do its thing. You shouldn't be like, okay, well, we'll set up several tests for fate and destiny. Plus, I think this fundamentally goes against what, how you would perceive as fate, as from what I know about you. If you're some, I think, because I think, you know, I think there's a part of you that thinks, like, some certain things happen for a reason, to some extent. But you're a, kind of a person that I would say that, like... When you have a choice in front of you that you clearly want to do a choice and you choose not to do that choice, like, you're the one that's, like, pissing on fate. You're the yes. one that's – your opportunity is here. You're, you yes. met him. You did this. Like, yes. you're, you would say that, like, either you're interested in this person because you are or you're in a relationship and you're happy with the other person. There's there's basically two decision points here and you're kind of, like, just, like, well, I don't really want to make a decision. Yes. You're just pro- – you're just avoiding and procrastinating on a decision. Right. But, like, you're in con- – like, yes – the universe can work through you and you can still make a fucking... I think even Molly Shannon brings this up in the movie where she's like, if you're so into fate, why ever get up? Why ever make a decision? 
And yeah. I think like fate can include you making decisions. That's part of the whole fucking thing. Not just being like, well, I'll just put it in a book. And if it shows up, no, I showed up. I'm right here in front of you. That was fate. It already brought us together. And this is, I think, this is, this gets into a whole other thing about like how some people perceive religion and sometimes with things like that. It's just like, you know what? Sometimes you do need to make your own decisions and like yes. help fate along. Help your, like there, there are such a thing. You can, you get free will. Yes, <laughs> you can choose. There's that little story of like a man who was in a flood and had drowned, and a boat goes by, and a, a helicopter goes by, and something else, a tree goes by, or something. And he's like, "God, why didn't you save?" And he's like, "I sent a boat. I sent this. I sent that. What the fuck more do you want, guy?" I think Martin Sheen, uh, art, or the, that character that tells that to Martin Sheen on The West Wing articulates the story a little better. No, I'm pretty sure It's a sure great episode says, of The West Wing, though. What the fuck, guys? It's a great episode of The West Wing that includes that, because it's just, oh man, The West Wing's so good, by the way. But I mean, it's it's that sort of thing. It's like, fate sends things your way. You have to be open to it. You can't just be like, I'm going to test it now. So it sounds like you're okay with someone, if someone were to come into my life that, was, uh, that had a magical moment with me, you're telling me that if I thought i should follow that it sounds like you've you've turned changed your tune on this whole movie no i'm saying fate for you is you tell that bitch to get lost (laughs) that's fate yeah you know i mean also fate could be you leave me for her and i go fucking crazy and kill her i was gonna say something but then i didn't want to like future incriminate myself if something were to happen oh i see i didn't want to say i'd kill somebody but you know we didn't touch on this but do you think part of this is because john cusack just like is like there's like this thing about some people that are enchanted by british accents is he just enchanted by the british accent yes then he's gonna actually spend like five hours with her and be like oh fuck i'm out it's like what's wrong with your teeth You need braces. That's, I, is that, he's not, it's insensitive is what it is. Is it racist? It's not racist, but it's, uh. Are British, is Brit, Britain people not a race of people? It's like, they're a type, I think it's not nice. To, not, not everybody nice. has bad teeth. I'm just saying, I was talking about, because her, her accent's just like, it would be, it would be, an, I say, if you, if you th- find a British accent's enchanting, go visit Britain for a little while and go to like a pub or something and see, like, spend a few days there and just see how you feel about the accent. I'm just saying. If you like it then, like, great. Then you're in, maybe you should date a British girl. But maybe you, like, just spend some time. Spend some time with her family. You don't know who, what kind of people that she, her family's like. Maybe they're all, like, rabid soccer fans or something like that. Maybe that's not a good Christmas time. Did you just, like, insult soccer? They're just, no, I'm just saying that they're rabid, like, soccer they call fans. football. What, who, no, well, they're wrong, but. <laughs> Who's wrong? Huh? Who's wrong? We, Listen. Soccer's soccer, because I'm American. We're getting way off track here. Soccer is soccer, because um, I'm American. But I don't even like football, but I don't care. I would still call it soccer. So, from uh, Tyler and I, thanks for listening to Old Millennials Remember Movies. Remember Christmas podcast. movies. Remember Christmas movies. You can find us online at oldmillennialsremember.com, on Facebook, Facebook, and Instagram and Twitter. Tyler's yeah. trying to learn about Twitter. It's not going well. It's not going well. <laughs> My plan was uh, just to have him uh, tweet at the uh, somebody in the cast list of every movie re- we review. Should we try to tweet at Jeremy Piven and talk about... Uh, oh, buddy. Please don't. <laughs> like, hey, Jeremy Piven, uh, how'd that lie detector test go for you? Tyler. <laughs> he took a lie detector. we're talking about. He took a lie detector test. I'm just saying. It's not what we're talking about. I'm not about. like an uh, alleged... Indiscretion. I'll say that. I'm not um, going to. So, what I will ask of you as a listener, if you 
got all the way to the end, first of all, congratulations. Uh, you've listened longer <laughs> to this podcast than the length of the movie yes! of fucking Serendipity. <laughs> we always have that goal. Go longer than the yes! movie. Longer than the movie. Um, so if you made it this far, thank you. Um, if you are actually enjoying this podcast and you're not listening out of obligation, um, friends and relatives, <laughs> if you're not one of those people um, and you enjoyed it, just really, if you could shout out... Um, wherever you connect with people and asks tag someone you know who you think is like you and would like this probably an old millennial because uh you know where you've enjoyed the movies of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s there you go um so yeah if you think of someone even just one person you think would enjoy our podcast we'd really appreciate you uh sending them our way i don't know i feel like even your mom shut it off about 10 minutes ago i think she was like those assholes just insulted me about my fucking VHSs. Fuck them. I said that they got DVDs of most of those. Yeah, whatever. I did watch a, a tape of uh, White Christmas one year down there, though. They still had a VHS tape of White Christmas. Yeah, I watched that, that one night. Out. Yeah, we've, yeah. They got one of those dual uh, DVDs slash VCR machines at yes. their house. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they still want to play some of their VHS. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will talk at you another movie.